This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 903, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. And you. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host, Josh, the Celtic <laughs> Kahuna Flanagan. I've decided my new thing is going to be to put a nickname in there every okay. time. That wasn't like, a good I, one, but I, I tried did. to do that with um, my congestion, and my vo- my throat broke in the middle of one of those words. Well, so I you probably heard it catch. That was my throat going, I'm really dry and inflamed. What are you doing? I, 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 respect, I respect everything that just happened. I think it was during Celtic. I can't remember anymore. I blacked out. Welcome to my Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 903. Every week, one of us picks the book they like the best from the stack of comics they read, or the small stack, large stack, depending on the week. We call that book the Pick of the Week. We'll talk about that book, other books of the week, the patron pick, the listener mail. will get answered if there is time. And here's your spoiler warning. There's going to be some exercise, some caution this week, Josh. You had to pick. Was it a big week, a small week? What was your week? It was like? very small. It was a weird week. It was, I mean, listen, it was a gift. If I'm going to be honest with you. I had 15 books. Eight were Marvel and DC, which means uh, seven were indies. So it was basically evenly split between Marvel and DC and indies this week. I had 11 books. And I had no DC books. And I had one, two, three, four, five, five Marvel books. Mm. So that's been happening to me a lot lately, is that I feel like I'm reading an even split or almost even more of the indies than the big two stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, pick of the week is uh, the space between number one uh, from boom studios written by Karina Becco art by Danny Luckert and uh, letters by Jim Campbell. I did not know this was a thing that was coming. Um, I, I don't read everything Karina does. Um, She does a lot of licensed stuff. She does a lot of licensed stuff, um, but, you know, she had a big hand in, you know, like, uh, when she was working with Gabriel Hardman, you know, they, did they win an Eisner or were they just nominated for an Eisner? I can't remember. I think they, they're definitely nominated. For their Green remember. Lantern book, you know, oh. and they did that great yeah. Invisible Republic book. Um, and I think that when it comes to the world building part, she's clearly, you know, got skill with that and and i've seen it in other stuff that that she's done she's she's like a, a sci-fi kid um the other thing about karina that's amazing like she's like a zoologist like a genuine like like she she that's what she you know does for a day job but also she makes really good comics and she's got this sort of sideline doing this thing um you know but i wasn't sure what to expect and what i got was a really fun sci-fi book that had um you know a, a pretty a, a fairly obvious social message metaphor going on um but then on t- how long was this thing this is 25 pages and it covered so much goddamn ground i i i was i was really amazed um i just just now i was like was this 50 pages and it's like no it's just a standard size comic book there was at it's hard for me to go through all of the things that happened, but I'm going to try to do a quick synopsis. 
Uh, there's the space station. They can't be on Earth because Earth's messed up. That's not new. We've seen that. Whatever. There's a woman, and she's a hell of a pilot, and she she breaks some rules so she can save somebody. Uh, she's a, she's Maverick. You know, she's a, she's a Maverick. She's every pilot in every pilot story. <laughs> whatever. Like, no, this I'm just is saying one that's what every things... pilot does. They break the rules to yeah. save the day. Which, which, by the way, is the actual thing that happens. If you've, ever read, if you've ever read the right stuff, it, you know, it, it's real. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, and it's true. Like, I think there's a lot of very familiar tropes that are going on through here, but it was constructed in such a way um, that as I kept going, I kept being more impressed by it. So, you know, she she gets busted down to, you know, she's stuck in her cabin and she escapes and she falls through one of the levels and into a big algae tank where she's fished out of somebody. And that's when you find out that this is a stratified society of a space station. There's people underneath. They grow the food and keep the oxygen going and all the stuff. And the people above are barely aware of them and they don't see each other. And, you know, it's the it's the butter battle book. It's it's um the void rivals. It's, you know, like there's these two societies that are next to each other and they don't know each other and then they don't respect each other uh, because they have nothing to do with each other. And of course, they fall in love. Uh, because she takes him to see the stars. And then there's then a whole political social upheaval story happens in very short order. Um, and there is specifically a page um, in one page. It's uh, it's six panels and each panel uh, shows a time jump. So it's one month later, six months later, one year later, two years later, three years later, four years later. And I, I was in, there's a lot of dialogue on there. And again, on paper, like you'd be like, "This is not, is boring," but I was a hundred percent into it, and I, I kind of got to the end. It could have been a short story, quite honestly. It could have been just this. Um, I, and I, I, I was just really impressed. I didn't know what to expect out of it. I, I knew it could have gone either way. I thought, "Oh, you'll probably enjoy it. It'll be fine." And then sometimes when you, you, you know, uh, I, I know Karina. Um, you know, we don't hang out very often, but we have, and she, she's, she's cool. And sometimes I read books from people who I kind of know, and I'm like, oh, I, I hope I really like it. You know, like, I don't, but I, you know, I don't always. Yeah. And I, I was just like, wow, I was really impressed by this and I had fun. And, and I thought the Danny Luckert art, um, I feel like the name's familiar, but I don't, <coughs> I don't know who it is. It's, uh, it's really appropriate. I think there's times where like some of the draftsmanship on faces and things like that is maybe not quite there yet, but really strong. There's a ton to do. There's a lot of, um, regular folk walking around with regular faces. And again, each of those people have, you know, uh, um, variations and uniqueness that that let you know exactly who you're talking to and why there's there's for for a thing that has no costumes or whatever great job making diverse and varied people throughout the entire thing um it did the colors too and i think i think those worked out really well they sort of that space gray and blue that's going on you know as far as i can tell you know it's sci-fi but it's not um it's not supernatural or anything there's no horror element and it becomes you know really cool social commentary basically a lot of what was fun about invisible republic um is in here but that movie was a big fucking bummer or not movie that that series it was it was really dark and difficult where i I thought that this one had a little more joie de vivre in it um the characters had a little spark and it it what didn't seem like you know everything was bleak and there was no hope like invisible republic like nothing was going to go well in that book 
Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, has a lot to do with the art, you know, Hardman, uh, has a sort of a different style and, and that fits with it. And I still enjoyed it. Um, you know, this just felt like a, like a, like a space sci-fi, it's like a classic sci-fi story, you know, that's commenting on our world. Um, total surprise. Uh, and it wasn't even like, a, um, I, I didn't hem and haw over it at all. And I didn't think I had the pick of the week until this afternoon. <laughs> So when it was my, uh, when I was reading, I was like, oh, I'd make this pick of the week, but it's not, but so as soon as it was, I was like, oh, I know the pick. It's easy. Mm, It was fun. Did you check it out? I did. I did not like this at all. Yeah, I figured. I I could tell by your silence. This was the second worst book I read this week. (laughs) If not for Batman, the terrible final chapter of that stupid storyline, which I read only because I wanted to see how things were going to be shaking out in Batman world. Um, I thought this was bad on every level, but I understand, but I liked that you liked it. What did you not, what do you like, just from a story perspective, what did you not uh, okay. like? There was some things I did like about it. Let me just say that real quick off the top of the bat. <clears throat> I liked, I think you're right. She's very good at world building. I liked the intricacies of how life would occur on this space station slash spaceship. I can't tell if it's a ship or a station. But I thought, you know, the whole underground world, how that works, how they grow food, how they grow oxygen, like all that stuff was good. The chicken stuff. And I thought the <laughs> final bit where time jumped, as you said, on through on one page five years. I thought that was really interesting and fun. Um, everything else I thought was not good. I didn't like the art. I thought the dialogue was very kiddie and kind of basic. Uh, I thought the structure was bad overall. I didn't think I didn't buy the romance. They fall in love immediately, instantly. There's no chemistry between the characters. Um, there's one part where he meets, she meets his friends, this lesbian couple. They hate her off right off the bat. They spend about 45 seconds together. And then later on, when she makes her political stand, one of the women watching the feed says, oh, wow, I never would have expected it to have been her. It's like, you don't even know her. You you spent 45 seconds with her. Like it, There were things like that. It felt like this would have been better as an arc, as a six-issue arc than one issue. Mm. There was way too much that needed to happen to make the characters' motivations and actions make sense. Uh, as it was in one issue, everything happened very, very, very quickly mm-hmm. uh, and didn't feel earned. But the world building is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I think it's, it's, it's fair. I think that I could absolutely see that this wasn't going to be uh, necessarily your cup of tea. This wasn't. Gonna, it's always fun to be. I get to read. I'll sort well, it of read. Be. I love sci fi. I love romance. I mean, all this stuff should have been. I just didn't. No, I just mean the, well. the, the, um, I don't know, for whatever reason, the the, the overall uh, aesthetic of it, basically, is what I'm sort of getting I think it's interesting that, you know, the covers, these two characters, the woman and the man, the woman from above, the man from below, looking at each other lovingly. And I thought the romance was, the it just didn't get any, it didn't get any, any weight to it. There was no traction. It just happens immediately. There's no, there's no growing attraction. There's no chemistry. It's just all of a sudden we're in love after, you know, meeting. Um, which can happen, but there's usually like intense chemistry and that works better in films when the actors have chemistry and you can see it as opposed to drawings on the page. But I just didn't buy any of their actions think, after that. She I, fell into the well. I think that you're right. I, but I do think there was a level of sort of like uh, just high level sort of romance to it just to sort of get through it. I, I, so I think that. I assume this is setting up sort of a larger thing, but as a first issue, they had to cover, she had to cover a lot of ground very quickly and that could leave it lacking. And in fact, in that, in that way, maybe this didn't make a great first issue 
because we don't really know where it's going to go from here. Like, well, is that's it going what, I mean, that about? was the most interesting part to me was like, well, now what? Because they jumped five right. years in the future. And so that was interesting. Not enough for me to read, continue reading, but I thought, but mm-hmm. it ended up like, okay, well, that, what she did there was really interesting. Yeah. Even if the rest didn't work for me, I thought that I, was good. I think the thing is that I have read a lot of, there's been a lot of these space, uh, you know, apocalypse, like, like something yeah. bad has happened to other people. So there's been a lot of those lately. A lot of climate change, anxiety comics. Yeah, and um, most of them are really bad, but I want to like them. I really like that one. Um, I think it was also Boom, and I do not remember the name of it. It wasn't too long ago, but the the lady on the space, she's the operations lady, and she ends up being the murder. Oh, the detective murder mystery and, on the show on the yeah, space and the yeah. AI is the killer, and and you know she's addicted to space heroin or whatever. I like that, but I all, but I did think that that was pretty unpolished. Yeah. Like, it, it got by on chutzpah uh, to cover some of its roughness. Um, space space heroin being the worst heroin to be addicted to. Yeah, well. For sure. F- fentanyl's actually worse, turns out. Well, space fentanyl is <laughs> the top of the pyramid. Right. Then, I don't think you want anything to do with that. It's no. terrible. Um, anyway, but, you know, no, that's I didn't, how it I, goes. I just, I'm glad you liked it. I really am. I, I just, yeah. doesn't mean we always have to like the same book. I just didn't like it, but that's fine. Things, yeah. Sometimes you don't like things, and that's okay. I'm Fair. kind of surprised you read Ultimate Universe number one, uh, although I guess not because it really was just sort of the final chapter of that previous Hickman Ultimate miniseries that just ended. Uh, but it's being, you know, from the cover and the numbering and the titling, it's, it's, it's sort of being propped up as sort of like the entry into the new Ultimate Universe they're doing. But it really wasn't that so much as it was a wrap up to the story they just did. <laughs> so I was a little surprised you read it, but um, I well, there's, there's two things. One. Right. Didn't have a lot of books this week. Sure. And two, I thought there was a very good chance it was going to be the patron pick, so therefore I just uh, wanted to get ahead of it. Okay, fair enough. You know, that said, I didn't know anything that you just said. I really thought, oh, they're just going to start this story about this other, you know, whatever, like whatever's happened in this ultimate universe, and and this is where it starts. And it, it worked for me in that in that respect, right. for sure. I, You know, I... I it's I sort recognize. of like a me, uh, of course, because this is where we are right now. It's a multiverse ultimate universe. It's not the one mm-hmm. from before, which mm-hmm. you know ended, and it's it's just sort of another Marvel universe that the char- that one character, the the maker, mm-hmm. Reed Richards from the Ultimate Universe, went to, and so it's just another multiverse in the grand Marvel multiverse. That's kind of what it is. That it, this one looks more like. The Ultimate Universe and the six one six one—that's really the only thing you but don't I know. Think, you know, I know, I know who everybody is to a certain yeah, yeah. extent. So in the beginning, you have some sort of Iron Man guy and some sort of Doom guy, and Iron Man's interesting because he's a young Tony Stark, so he's Iron Lad here. Right, he's Iron Lad, but I was like, Iron Lad is Kang. You know, like it, it, <laughs> right. it like I was so. There's a, I'd have even forgotten. Yeah. But but even so, like I like that. Like if we're gonna do, I yeah. mean, this is let's let's call it. It's an Elseworlds story. Yep. But you you recognize the pieces, and as you go through it, you you get to figure it out, you know, and put it together. Oh, Sif seems to be in charge, and he's like, "Why? I I don't know. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna find out." She shows up there. There's drama involved in that. I don't know who the Doom guy is. Who's the Doom guy? Did we know? Wait, just Doctor Doom. Is it Doctor Doom? Yeah. The in the beginning, is he like a young Doom? He's hanging um, out with Tony Stark. Honestly, I don't remember. Uh, that that miniseries tapered off very quickly for me in terms of interest, but mm-hmm. uh it's just an it's just whatever this version of Doom is. I don't know if he's younger, he might be, but I, I like the contrast of having, you know, 
we don't have to have Tony be the same age as all the other characters. He can kind of be the Peter Parker yeah. in, in the universe. And that's interesting. Um, Thor was fun. And, you know, they, they go to get all these artifacts because the make, what the maker did in this world was he stopped the heroes from existing. So he went and basically time traveled to their origins and stopped them all from happening. Mm-hmm. And so they find his repository of artifacts and they're only able to rescue one. And that's the spider that bit Peter Parker. So, um, you know, as a, as a jumping off point, it was, I thought, I mean, I didn't dislike it at all. I just thought, thought it was interesting the way they did it, which wasn't really like a starting point, more of an ending point. But I guess it also worked as a starting point if you didn't know it was an ending point. It, it, to- it totally did. And and I actually really liked it for that. It, it, you know, Hickman, he doesn't, he's good in the short term. He always loses me in the long term. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, an issue at a time like this, I think this is a really good single issue. What this felt like. You know, we've talked about this a lot, but when we were kids, you'd yep. get random comics and you'd just pick up an Avengers book, you know, and read it. Yeah. And I thought, this is this is like a perfect version of that. Like, I kind of know where I'm standing, but I don't quite. And that mystery, that that sort of um, lack of knowledge, you know, lends it depth, gives me curiosity. And so the whole thing ends on a, you know, cosmic terrorist attack where... These uh, this council of shadowy evil villains, one of them including Bruce Banner, the Hulk, is um, frames Tony Stark and has one of his uh, satellites shoot its satellite laser into New York and blows up a giant crater and kills a lot of people, including uh, Norman Osborn and May Parker, as the names go across the bottom of the screen. So in this world, we'll have no Norman Osborn, no Aunt May. And uh, so now the whole world thinks Tony Stark is a mad terrorist, madman. Um, I'm, 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 so then we have, you know, the, the thing at the end that shows the books that are coming mm-hmm. ultimate Spider-Man by Hickman and Chichetto ultimate black Panther by Brian Hill and Stefano Caselli, who drew this issue and ultimate X-Men by peach Momoko, whose, uh, book is teased at the end of two pages. So I'm interested. I saw that, that ultimate, I saw that ultimate X-Men and I thought, what are they fucking out of their minds? <laughs> because it's, it's basically looks like uh like chibi manga kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and I, I thought, that's, that's, why would you? And then I thought, Josh, we have been saying forever, <laughs> they should go after different markets. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is. And I can't criticize it for that. I, I hope it succeeds. Like, right. That would be great. I hope it, they're doing a different thing. It probably won't work because the people reading these books <laughs> are, not are even people. stodgier yeah. and more stuck in their ways than I am. Right. But. I, I like at my first instinct was, no, what are you doing to wait? No, they should do this. Like, right. I, I, um, I guess, I, I guess after what I just said, I have to read it, but it doesn't mean it's for me. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's um, for you. It may not be. Yeah. I'm interested in Ultimate Spider Man. I'm, I'm interested that they're doing Black Panther of all the books they, they could be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no Avengers book, it's just Spider Man, Black Panther, and X Men. So that's interesting. But we'll see. I didn't, I, I you know. It was interesting. It was fun. I'm looking forward I, to it. I, I enjoyed it. I think um, Stefano Caselli, uh, he's been around for a while, and um, he keeps getting a, like incrementally better. I'm, I'm pretty sure he was the artist on Hickman's Secret Avengers run that was super long. Not Secret Avengers, I, Secret Warriors. Yeah, and like, I think book. he was on stuff for a while, and I, and I wasn't super into it. It's not my favorite style or whatever, but I think he's gotten really good. Yeah, the art's um, good. You know, in in that sense, uh, for Marvel. this kind of thing, 
Yes, exactly. It it really fits that. And as you know, <laughs> Italian artists are the are doing right now. Yeah, but he's so. one of the he's one of the uh, early yeah. ones. He's been. In I the wasn't game for here a while. before you, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Will you come along here, Luca Benditti, whoever you is, huh? Exactly. I'm gonna keep doing that. Um, I'm gonna really lean into. It's gonna take us down. Bad Italian. I don't. Nope. I think we're okay. <laughs> okay. I think we're all right. X-Men I want to see if we can really piss off a group of people. 28. For real. Well, they're the ones to piss off because they got too much going on to get seek revenge on us. I mean, they're very revenge-oriented people, but, you know. <laughs> what you just said was much worse than what I did. The Vendettas. <laughs> Everyone knows about the Vendettas. Come on. <laughs> they're a vindictive <laughs> I said they're very revenge-oriented people. That means that's they're very into their Vendettas, which they are. Everyone knows. That's, that's what vindictive means. I know, but, like, come on. You go to, you know, where's all the men? The Vendettas. That's every movie in Italy. All right, so. <laughs> Joe Colombo got killed for talking like <laughs> Or no, the other way around. Um, X-Men 28, Jerry Duggan, Joshua Kassara. Um, I like this. This is fun. I have never been as into an X-Men event. <laughs> maybe ever. Wow. I am right. a thousand percent into this. Like, they knock down the number of X-Men who exist to a reasonable number that I can keep track of. I mean, not in all the other books. I don't know what's going on in those. I think I'm going to step away from Alpha Flight. I, I did my best. Yeah, uh, not bad. Right. Just don't care. But, like, in this, I've got, I've got uh, Star, Starfire. Is it Starfire? Jeez. Firestar. Firestar. Jesus. What a what an asshole. And 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 Kitty Pride and and Ms. Marvel and Cyclops and Jugger. Like I am on top of who is in this and what they're doing. And so right. there's none of that. Um actually there's two other X-Men in this scene, and I they said their name Cypher or something. I don't know, whatever. I don't know who they are, but I don't care because I just see them in the tunnels sometimes talking to people I do I do know. Right. Um you know, we had a, we have Wolverine in there. I literally wasn't sure if Wolverine existed anymore. Well, that's the thing. Um, I was like, oh, shit. Hey, look, it's Logan. Remember him, guys? The most popular mar- superhero character <laughs> in the world for like 30 years. <laughs> the one who's been relegated to Wolverine number two. Um, he showed up and I was like, hey, look, it's it's that awesome character that everybody used to love. Um, and he was on a awesome. commando mission really with happy Shadow to Cat see him. and Miss Marvel. Yeah. Like in a real Marvel Universe story, not like, you know, not in the offshoot multiverse story. Right. I mean, he's got his own book. He's, I'm sure he's been doing something, but I'm, I just haven't been reading it because I did love it. <laughs> I know. Listen to me. He has a book. That may be true, but I'm <laughs> talking about in my specific experience. Um, I loved all the Firestar stuff. So she's been sent undercover yeah. by uh, Emma Frost. I almost said Emma Stone. She's known for sending people undercover, too. Sure. Emma Frost under undercover after the whole, you know, massacre at the uh, the Hellfire Gala. And no one knows she's undercover other than Emma Frost. So everyone thinks she's a traitor working with Orcus. And this is the first time where we, she really sort of, we've seen her put herself out there and mm-hmm. try to help the X-Men. She she taps Morris code on Cyclops' body and she helps Juggernaut escape. But the whole time I'm thinking, this all seems very obvious. <laughs> like your well, spycraft is not very strong. You're gonna get well, you're super, gonna get caught. 
There's a bit where she takes the, first of all, you're right, like, it's not good. Yeah. Like, she's in the room and, like, sticks a USB drive in the computer with right. the other main bad guys there. I'm like, I feel like they'd have a program. And then sticks it in Juggernaut's mouth. Right, then throws it into his mouth. And then as you turn the page, by the way, I love this. I think this is I all super goofy-ass, yeah, yeah, yeah. goofy-ass shit. She throws it in his mouth, and the next, first panel on the next page is a massive amount of small diag- dialogue as she explains exactly what happened to him. I was like, they have cameras. <laughs> right. Like, I Probably think we have, I think we have the technology to solve that now. Not in, fu- not in super genius future X-Men world. Like, but then he runs through the wall and screams, you got Wahoo. And I just was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. This is fun. And then you, and then you do get like, they confront her because at least like Duggan doesn't think we're stupid enough to be like, yep, they're fooled, you know, and they basically give her the hairy eyeball and she's, you know, she, she pushes back, but she's like in, in, you know, uh, crazy torment about this situation she's in, which is, you know, what would happen. We've seen lots of undercover stories like this. We've seen, uh, John, Donnie Brasco and the departed and, and, uh, others, you know, it's great. Yeah. No, this chuckles. Exactly. I like the commando raid. I liked that team. I like Miss Marvel and Wolverine and Shadowcat. We know Wolverine sort of his ex-teenage sidekick and his possibly new one, and and uh, they're fun. And then I like Firestar. I like her predicament. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's moving along at a nice pace. Yes, it is. It, it, like, and I, and I, I want to know what happens next, but I, I'm not quite and ready then what for happens it to end. Is in the Grand Marvel tradition, the last page character reveal is they're in Latveria. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be with Doom now. That's a with, that's a that's a good. It's a good Doom final page Doom reveal. Like this that, furry cape. That yep. That page is spectacular. She's like, where are we? Are we in uh, Germany? No. Are we in Austria? No. Then he says, no. You're not in Europe. You're in Latveria. So is Latveria not in Europe? I thought he was Eastern European. I what I I heard that, and I, and I, I what I would say is that Doom would likely not consider his domain as part of anything so he would say this is not europe that's how i chose to read it geographically he's a thousand percent in europe there's nowhere else he would be right and he's he's one of those slovenias yeah that yeah we're gonna have to be careful here but basically the area where the good (laughs) white basketball players come from yeah right so this week i was very excited to read the return of superman 30th anniversary edition which was a uh 80 80 page um, special commemorating the 30th anniversary of the death of Return of Superman. We, are, we talked about the death of Superman on the Books Load show, and this was a look back at um, this, the return storyline where all the four Supermen mm-hmm. showed up and then eventually Clark returned. And it was done by like Dan Jurgens and Louis Simonson and John Bogdanoff and Jerry Ordway and Carl Kessel and Tom Grummet and Brett Breeding. And so, like, everyone involved in every story was involved in the original stories, including. New people like Travis Moore drew the Dan Jurgen story, and um, you know Elizabeth Brightweiser did some of the colors, and you know, Richard Starkings, and p- people like that. But for the most part, it was anchored by the original people, and um, it was fun. Though I, I was very much amused by how the elastic nature of comics wormed its way into this story. You know, like the, the sliding time scale, like mm-hmm. you know, uh, the Punisher was a Vietnam vet, and then he was a, a you know. A, the first Iraq war vet, the second Iraq war vet, like that kind of thing. So here, you know, at one point Ron Troop is walking in a flashback. He's what he's, you know, a cell phone during the whole thing. And then later on, there's that 
shot that they use in the original comic of Superboy saving the woman in a towel from a building fire. And the caption's like, it was the most liked and viral photo of all time. And I was like, no, it wasn't. It was 1995. It wasn't like <laughs> that at all. Like they're just, they're, you know, they try to cram it into it happened a few years ago and it just was a little clunky. But, um, you know, it was great to see Jerry Ordway art. It was great to see Tom Grummet art. It was great to see Brett Breeding doing finishes over Dan Jurgens art. Uh, Bogdanoff was a little strange because I find, and I don't know if he's doing it digitally or not, but I find that the digital art has a, has a lighter weight to it than pens, than physical pencils do. Mm-hmm. Especially guys who did a lot of their career with pencils, like physical pencils. And so it seemed very kind of thin and lacking in weight. And Bogdanoff's art always had a ton of weight to it. The characters were big and burly and yeah, it's just interesting to see how and I don't know what he's doing digitally. It just seemed it just looked like a lot of the artists I've seen and I think of uh Raphael Albuquerque who's someone whose characters had a lot of weight to them and then he switched to digital and they all seem very thin. The lines were almost still that's like Yes, but there's, I think there's also a technique to that. Oh no, there's definitely a technique. Guy, a guy but, like um, uh, Smallwood can can replicate the feel of yeah. pencils and digital very, yeah, very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you still, you know, know it's digital from the way it's drawn. But still, I, I just feel like some people. And again, I don't know he did this digitally; it just felt that way to me. But it's just interesting to see. Anyway, um, this this story was like a look back while Cyborg Superman is attacking uh, Metropolis. There's a flashback for each character. So it was a flashback for Steel. There's a flashback for Superboy. There's one for um, the Eradicator, and there's one for Cyborg Superman itself. And then the story is wrapped up, and it was nice. It was a, it was a nice little look back to an era of Superman that I really liked. You know, Maggie Sawyer's in here, and Perry Mason. Perry Mason. Perry White is sort of the uh, thread through all of these stories, and uh, it was really fun. It was really fun. I, I see. I, I genuinely thought that this was like a reprint, like special edition. That's that's because they do that. Like there's a yeah, lot yeah. of those that sure. come out. So I thought that's just what that is because it it's literally it's 30th anniversary edition. So to me, yeah. I was like, oh, that's that's what that is. Um, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you you. Yeah, it was that. fun. Um, it was it was nice. Um, although in the main in the story taking place now, Perry White's in a coma. Even though I think in the regular books he's writing for Mayor. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Who knows? Nothing makes sense. It Nothing does matters. also really show that the super mullet makes no sense whatsoever. Because, uh, you know, he grew the hit long hair while he was quote unquote dead. Mm-hmm. But the front hair never grew. Just the back hair. Yeah. He should have all long. He should just have long hair, not a mullet. Unless he had like little kryptonite robots in there trimming his front hair. But Well, my thought was that yeah, well, there's there is that. Maybe that's how it was programmed to do it. Because yeah. on Krypton, a long back shag area <laughs> is considered, you know, a, a high status thing. I, I assume. I mean, but or he's just super into metal, you know, '90s metal. <sighs> I just, that, it could just be, that could I, be Clark's secret shame. I just thought about it again. That it's it's like come back as the thing that kids do on purpose. The mullet, yeah, yeah and well, the glasses, yeah. all of it. It, it. it 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 hasn't been gone that long if you think about it. We were doing mullet pieces on ifanboy.com in two thousand two thousand one. I know, but I just thought that like I think that's it's it's a really interesting example of um, how culture moves on and how a given uh, you know age generation uh, will reject the ideas of the 
older people. And that was one of the first things is like, oh, I am from a different time. Well, they, they reject the old people by recreating their fashions. Which is doesn't make sense. And that's it just is not, ironic. That's not just Gen Z. That every every generation's ever done that. Yeah, they're not learning from. Yeah, but like, I feel like we lived through like a like a seventies sort of revival time. I think sixties and seventies. And to I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, well, I was the nineties like, oh, something... was it's all its own thing, right? It was, it was well, almost the fifties. If you look at the 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 khaki pants and the button down shirts, it was almost the fifties, but not quite. It was it was a stripped down thing, but with like extra 40s, large size clothes, clothes. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, but not. Uh, it was it was like a, t- a take on that. It was, certainly wasn't the seventies or sixties. There was there was a sort of classicness to a lot of it. Not like like the eighties were very like overblown and plasticky, and you're like, why would you do that? And then when the eighties stuff came back, I was like, no, we decided that was bad. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't anyway, ever, this is it doesn't ever really come back as much as the the nineties is fully back. Like still, like everyone's still wearing yeah nineties like, stuff all over the place. But. Yeah, but but as I look back at that, I was like, I think we actually looked more stupid than we thought. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little stupid, but it's also a little like generic. This is kind yes. of bland. Yeah, in that sense, it's kind of classic because it doesn't. It, there's, it's not like shoulder pads and mm-hmm. weird colors. It's sort of just like a lot of browns. So yeah, we're into browns the, the in the nineties. Way too big. Well, yeah, I had a I had a sweater whose arms went past my fingertips. That doesn't make sense. Why it doesn't make do any that? sense. But it was comfortable, and it was brown. <laughs> it was brown. It was brown. I, like, I don't feel like I was super into brown. I don't remember that as a what thing. trends. You know, uh-huh. rest in peace, Matthew Perry. It was all browns. Huh? It was khaki pants and like brown sweaters or shirts and vests. Well, I'll, I'll check it. I'll browns. check into that. Not everything, obviously, but it was, brown was one of the primary colors of the 90s. Anyway, we need to move on. So this week I took a flyer on Red Light, number one from AWA. It's a four-issue miniseries. And mostly it, I did because the artist is Priscilla Petrates, who was an artist I worked with on a comic that I edited at my old job, the comic called Dread Knight. Dreadnought Legacy. Dread Knight is a whole other comic. I think Dreadnought should, Legacy should still be available on Comicsology. I don't know that for sure, but it might be. And I don't get any money out of it if you buy it, but you should. It's very good. Um, I liked her a lot. She was really fun to work with. She's a Brazilian artist. And so I, was, I saw she had a new book out, and so I, I checked it out. And uh, it's the kind of book I don't normally read um, or just see that very much because I don't think it's a book done very much in uh, comics. It's an erotic thriller. I saw that. Like the 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 um, solicitation for it. Yeah, it's an erotic and, sci-fi thriller. In the future, um, there's a brothel in which all the sex workers are AI robots or AI pro, you know powered robots, and she's one of them. And she's sort of fed up with her life of sex work and cam girl work and all the other work she has to do involving sex, and uh, she's slowly breaking out of. You know, it's 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 a classic tale. Like at one point, someone gives her the Little Mermaid book. It's like that. It's like I want mm-hmm. to be more than this, but I'm trapped in this situation. And I, I enjoyed it. I really did. Um, it's, that uh, happens in Neil Stevenson's The Diamond Age. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a classic story. It's a classic. <laughs> like you know, someone becomes self aware and realizes that their life could be better or doesn't have to be like this and works to get out of it. And so we'll see. I've been noticing a lot of four issue miniseries lately. Mm-hmm. Um, last week, last week, you know, a million books came out, and several of them from Marvel and DC were four issues. I don't know if they were downgraded; they might have been from five, which is an interesting and perhaps troubling trend. But 
Um, I'm curious to see where this goes in, in four issues. I, I, I quite enjoyed it. I liked the art quite a bit. She has a very um, interesting style that can be very uh, sort of uh, down and dirty, but also sort of classically super, um, comic books. And we'll see. I, I, I thought it was fun. I thought it was a nice first issue. And if you're into sort of uh, erotic sci-fi thriller, this, this would be a good one to go with. It's got a lot of nudity and sex. So FYI, in case you're reading it on the subway. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. Uh, I'm checking in on Sacrifices number four. Um, you, this wasn't your your bag. Are you still reading this? Yeah, I read this issue. I yeah. can't remember what happened. In, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember now. Yep, there's a big party, and what we find out is that um, the cute animals who had been um, sacrificed, uh, and then they, they the were kids. made they, they, children. Yeah, yeah, they they the idea was to take their essence or whatever it was at the moment they were most happy, you know, for the, for the enjoyment of the, of the ruling class or the gods mm. or whatever the hell they are. And, and in this issue, we sort of see the party with, where there's all the intrigue going on and the, and the double talk and, you know, all that stuff that happens at court. I love that shit. I'm a big fan of that. Um, and then we find out when they drink the, 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 whatever the, the essence yes, of the liquid is that they all are de-aged. Um, and that was two of my favorite pages of the week yeah, um, was realizing what was going to happen and how that was um, displayed. It's very much, uh, you know, like hunger games, like the, yeah, the people of the capital are all rich and fabulous and wear crazy clothes and they keep young and beautiful by drinking the life essence of the poor. Um, you know, Rick's been in Hollywood for a while, so he's he's seen behind the scenes of how all the people <laughs> here you know, drink the blood of the children to stay young. That's a real yeah. thing. So from he's the just, pizza he's places, just translating that into comics is this his cry for help that he may not I, even I really, realize he's doing it. Like I kind of didn't realize. I I I don't quite. I'm not able to wrap my head around the politics and the intrigue of right. all of these people. I really like it though. I don't know whatever the the sort well, the of daughter of the king is sort of against the, what's happening. So she's going right. Out the daughter, own. and then the weird way that like his queen, who's the moon, and he's the sun. You know, her attitude is is intriguing, but I don't really know how it'll play out. And I kind of hadn't noticed that everybody at the party was old because they're all weird, you know, animals and bird looking things. And so when you see them transform, I, I just I thought that art was fantastic. Right. And it very much accomplished what it was going for to sort of show you how this was happening. Um, yeah, I just I enjoy it. I think it's a it's a very large and colorful uh, bit of, you know, it's not a difficult metaphor to sort of grab onto, but it's it's still um, it's fun enough for me. And also just very it's different uh, than what Rick does. And because he works at a high level when he does something kind of interesting and succeeds, you know, where maybe another book uh, by a, a lesser creator might not. Less less experienced, we'll say. In the in the Grand I fanboy tradition, I thought Traveling to Mars number nine was the final issue. It was not. Uh, Eleven is the final issue, which is an odd number to end on, but whatever. It, that I, it is. I don't uh, I don't plan out trade paperbacks. But um, thinking it was the final issue, at a certain point, I was like, what is going to happen? I'm really enjoying this. Josh and I talked briefly offline about this book. I do think this is one of the best things Mark Russell's done. I don't, th- I don't think it's the best thing. He, he claimed online this week that it was the best thing he ever wrote. Um, I think that's still Flintstones and some of his other, other earlier work. That, um, that that cat book. What was that one that he did at DC also? The, uh, oh, Snaggle, Snaggle, Snaggle Puss. I thought that was really good too. But this is, this is certainly oh, yeah. up there and the best of what he's been writing lately for sure. And one of the, re- one of the things is that in issue eight, there was a giant twist and i don't i can't spoil it i just can't because if anyone's looking to read it it'll blow the whole story but i will say the twist 
made me go, oh, fuck. And then so that played out in this issue. And again, I can't give any details because I don't think many people are reading it. And I want people to read it. Um, but this this whole meditation on life and yearning and dreams and corporate the corporate control of society and all the stuff that Mark Russell does uh, has, has been working really, really well as the story of this guy with terminal cancer who has been sent to Mars to be the first man on Mars to claim its resources for this corporation, the something beef corporation, um, has finally landed on Mars and it's all playing out in a way that was, you were not was, uh, Punch him in the beef. That was, was Flintstones. That was, that was Flintstones. Yeah. Okay. He's never going to do better than that and he's just got to accept it. It's no, fine. That, that, Come out of the gate strong with Punch him in the punch beef. Him, punch him in the beef. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> that's a genuine snort. He's never going to get better than the than the, the the vacuum cleaner being in the closet. And that's also okay. Yeah. Anyway, this has been very, very good. If you've missed traveling to Mars, uh, this is from uh, Ablaze. 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 Um, it's very, very good. And it's Eisner... You know, multiple Eisner nominated best new series, best writer. Oh, it won. It won best writer and best new series, didn't it? Maybe it did. No, nominated. It was nominated best new series, best writer. And it deserved to be. It's very good. So check it out. You've got two more issues left, but it's it's a, a mini series that you can go back and find them wherever Ablaze comes. Who's the publisher? Is it Ablaze? A a... We just did a whole <laughs> bit on it. <laughs> I'd forgotten in the time because I think in my mind it was Ahoy. Ahoy, no, they, Ahoy does um, Second Coming. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of companies with very similar names that are about really the same size, full of former editors from Marvel or DC. Yeah, I, re- I really can't tell all the publishers. I know AWA, which one is A- Blaze, I know AWA. I know what that is because they have a different name. And I and I know that like that's Axel for whatever reason right. that stuck with me because all the people who seem to do stuff for AWA are like people from that early 2000s era at Marvel. Yeah, like, it's got to be some have, consolidation. We're gonna have Tim, what's his name, do all the covers. You Brad know, like, I, I, yeah, him. Anyway, that was that was traveling to Mars. That was those are the books we wanted to talk about on I, this. Light I week left of a comics. book off. I saw that. I, I, from, I I wrote it originally. Like I, I put the credits in, but it disappeared, and so we're leaving it there. That's fine. It's I actually that, that's a sign. The email me. to see what the book was to make sure it wasn't one of mine, but it wasn't. Yeah. It was one of yours. No, I I remember writing the credits out, but whatever. I I deleted it somehow. We've already gone long talking about. Whatever it is we were talking about. Clothing. Uh, those are the books we wanted to talk about at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, the patrons voted to add Canary Number 1 from Dark Horse Comics, written by Scott Snyder, up by Dan Panosian, with Richard Starkings and Tyler Smith on letters. And we just talked about Scott Snyder last week with, what was that book last week? Oh, the the Dungeon book. The Dungeon and we read his Barnstormers book. This is another one of his comicsology books that, that started in comicsology, and now Dark Horse is, is um, printing physically. And again, much like Barnstormers, it's two issues worth in one. So this is like a 60-page comic. Um, so you really get a meaty story here. It's kind of cool because it makes it seem like he's been very prolific. He, but really, he's just releasing a lot of things. It's smart, I think. So here's my main question for that, this book. Is the main character supposed to be wearing a pilgrim hat or does Dan Panosian just not, can he not draw cowboy hats? Well, Dan Panosian is a goddamn master. He's a great artist. So he, he's, he's one of the best uh, sort of uh, 
un like he, he underexposed, which I think is up to him. Like I like he's he's totally picky about whatever. Yeah. But he's amazing. Like from like like um uh pinups to covers. He did five covers for this. <laughs> if you look in the credits, it's just like so you many. know, he, he's great. And you know, I I put him in that that camp of of artists that that Darwin came out of. Um, yeah, he did. He was at Darwin's wedding. He did that yeah. Darwin tribute book. Anyway, that, so uh, I, that that was a choice. I don't know why. You know, I, I, I don't. Told him I was like, is he trying to draw a cowboy hat and just can't, or is is this a thing? Like, what is going on, man? I tell you something. I got very confused in that first scene because I thought that the guy standing there with the hat had killed the person. Mm, yeah, and me then too. He walked outside and was talking to us, and maybe that was sort of on purpose. Yeah, or whatever, I think it was. You know, but then he walked outside and started. I was like, "It was him. You're talking to him." And then I went, <laughs> "Oh, he was just because I for some reason I had literally pictured a gun in his hand." And I went back and it's like it's not there, and I yeah. can't tell if I wasn't reading it well or they they were fucking with me. I, I would like it if they were fucking with me. They're so afraid. this is a Western, um, horror Western, uh, the famous U.S. Marshal who was uh, made famous from dime store novels depicting an event that happened with him several years ago has shown up to investigate a murder. A young boy just killed a school teacher for no good reason. And t- turns out there's a bunch of weird murders happening in this same area. He gets teamed up with a, with a black uh, geologist because the geologist has a theory about this mine that's leaked leaked stuff into the water that's made people go crazy, and they have to go. And turns out it's related to the case that made him famous in the first place. That's sort of the high level logline of the story. Um, I would you know it, it was a little bit of a bummer because we just got through saying in the last episode how great it was that Scott was doing sort of straight genre work. You know, the Dungeons a straight serial killer story, but Barnstormers mm-hmm. was a straight crime book. You know, this we're bored of sort of back to what he really blew him up outside of Batman was, you know, mm-hmm. doing stuff with horror. And so this is, this has got like monster, not, well, I guess it's kind of a monster, this guy. But. It's a, it's like an exorcist kind of thing from what I can sort of. Yeah. I mean, this guy's got teeth down his throat. And he's L- I mean, I mean, listen, you know, the scorpion and the frog, you know, can't deny your nature. But it got, and, and it got that's, us eventually. that's his thing. Uh, and I, you know, I, I fine. a lot of people dig that or whatever. I will tell you that the way that, the creepy kid was depicted. Yes, that was really good. Was I mean, I was like, that is every bit as effective, you know, as as the girl in in The Exorcist. You know, like I was like, I'm I'm creeped out by this drawing. Yeah, and the dialogue. I think it's really, it's really something that they were able to to convey that that menace, uh, you know, through simple comic book pages because it was like it was it was scary. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, was. I'm not like oh, I'm not gonna, but I thought that's really effective. Uh, so I was kind of impressed by that, but no, I did. I had that moment. I was like, Oh, that's supernatural. But I really do like the story. I, I pilgrim hat guy, you know, I have to know what's going on with that. It's just going to, it's going to drive me crazy. I bet there were probably were hat. I think that we have an idea. Oh, of no, what the, hats... the, the cowboy hat is actually an anachronism that they, they weren't right. Most people wore like bowler hats. Cowboy, the cowboy hat came from the Mexican cowboys and like, yeah. And it sort of spread that way. But if you look back but at the photographs, like, most cowboys are not wearing cowboy hats. Right. But we've also like slowed down. Were they down, wearing pilgrim hats? Cool. I don't, dude, I don't know. But the point is that's this dude. But he also has a mask like Grifter that has an upside down <laughs> cro- coffin on it. Yeah. I, You know, like I, it, they have a bunch of weird shit. And I was like, all right, I'm going with this. Um, it's just funny. I, I did. There was one, one other moment where – so in the very beginning – 
the marshal and the and the town and the county sheriff are there, and uh, the marshal's sort of not really giving the t- the the crime its due. And the town sheriff's like, eh, "There's got to be clues. We should lock it off. It's a crime scene." I was like, "No one thought that. No one thought like that back then." I did think that too. No like, one very specifically. It was in the 20s or 30s when people started thinking. Yeah. No. No. Uh, no. No. Local sheriff was like, "There's probably clues. We should, let's dust for prints and get DNA." Like, no, he didn't say that, but like that's basically what he was saying. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, the well, faces to, of to this be are fair, the first people who did say that were were. Definitely, like, laughed off. That, oh, sure. Like, they were like, we're not doing that. The faces in this are terrific. Not just the little boy, but I'm just scrolling mm-hmm. through and looking at the sheriff's face and the marshal's face, and everybody's got this interesting and unusual face. No one's faces are duplicated. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, my disappointment aside, I thought it was, I thought it was really fun, and I'm looking forward to reading more. I kind of can't figure out. Look, it's John Goodman what? on the last page. I can't figure out what it is about Dan Panosian. And there's other artists like that. And I really like that style, but I don't know how to describe it. There's something, it's from a time. I feel like it came from the eighties and it was like, or the, I'm sorry, from the nineties. And it was like influenced by indie comics from earlier, like in the eighties, mm. but it's better. Like mm. it's the draftsmen are better. And there's guys like that there's mm-hmm. um, i mean i feel like it's like kind of frank miller influenced but yeah i don't remember but, what he, uh, i don't remember what blew him up i don't remember it's been so long i just remember sort of becoming aware of him on the you know on the internet through you know, sketches or whatever because yeah, he stopped working i mean I, I think he did hollywood stuff he lives here in la yeah. he he used to be on the fringe of a friend a friend group i was in the fringe of i never hung out with him but my you know friends did and so it was um I don't know what he's been doing, but he doesn't need to do. I mean, he can work whatever he wants. Yeah, I get that sense. You know, him and like Dave Johnson, they're sort of a, a you know a, yeah, of a group. That's true. Um, so yeah, ratings, ratings on Canary number one. I'm giving it a four out of five. That may sound low, but I think it's a solid four. I can get behind that. I can get behind that. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um, for sure. I'm going to go with you. Yeah, I mean, slightly disappointed about the horror angle, but that, you know, whatever. And the hat. It's driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. So I got to knock fair. it down. But I'm looking forward to more. So I'm going to be sticking with it, obviously. Yes, Canary, number one, from Dark Horse Comics, originally printed by Comixology Originals. That's the patron pick. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every patron votes to add a book to the rundown. And the patrons over at Patreon... They're our main source of support. They are the ones that help keep the show going. All of our various shows, the whole iFanboy Enterprise, they allow us to pay our bills and pay ourselves and all the stuff that has to be done to make this boat keep moving. It's like a boat. What's that thing in the firm? It's like a boat. There's no port. It just stays on the ocean. I don't know forever the firm well enough to be able to pick up on that reference. talking to Paul Servino, playing a mobster. You're not helping. I am like a boat. With no port. Basically, my point is this. iFanboy never stops. And mm-hmm. how we do that? Because of the patrons. They directly support the show. They become part of a great community on Discord and Facebook. There's a monthly patron hangout. which did that last weekend. And they've got tier-exclusive merch, so they get tote bags and hoodies and t-shirts and mugs and stickers and posters and all kinds of fun stuff. So if you were thinking of becoming a patron for the holidays or for you know start, starting the new year, 
we would appreciate that very much. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. And iFanboy.com slash iFanboy.com slash threadless. Nope, that's not a thing. iFanboy.threadless.com is the thing. And that's where you can find our t-shirts. We've got 13 designs. And those are fun. And if we ever come up with a new one, they'll be it'll show up there. We haven't thought about it in a while. We should probably put some brain power behind that. iFanboy.com slash support is our PayPal digital tip tip jar if you need to clear out some cash before the end of the year, before your fiscal year is up. There's always iFanboy.com slash support. We will take in all currencies mm-hmm. and all you know, no questions asked is basically our motto. It's always been our motto. iFanboy.com slash Amazon. This is a big one. Holiday time's coming up. People start shopping already. iFanboy.com slash Amazon is where you can find a link to Amazon. It's a little affiliate link. We get a little piece of the action. Nothing comes out of your pocket. comes out of Amazon's pocket. And it helps also. So if you're thinking about doing some, any Amazon shopping this year, consider doing it through iFanboy.com slash Amazon. It's right there at the top. Just, we just want to wet our beak a little. We're wetting our beak, but just, not through your, just wanna, not through right, your exactly. monies. You're not coming out of Rocket just, Rocket Boy's money. You know? It's quiet. They're, they're going to know. Bookshop.org is our partner to help local bookstores. So you can find those links on the Booksplode books. And we thank everyone who does any of the above to help support the show. We do appreciate that. It's the only way to keep the show going. And that's how it works these days. Let's do one email. And you can decide since you picked. Oh, no. We got to do the patron power. Whoops. Yeah, we do. Skip right past that. Patreon.com slash fanboy, as we mentioned. Is where you can vote, tell about the rundown, you can part of great community. But also, if you give the $5 higher level, you get a patron power live on the show. Sorry, Matt. Almost get right past you. Matt. Matt. Singular. Mononomial. Just Matt. I don't, I don't know if that's a phrase. Mononomial. Uh, Matt knows what you're going to say. Before you say it. Yeah, but only that thing. How far, how far does precognition, just a sentence or what? A word or what? Yeah, he's basically one sentence ahead or one thought ahead at all times. He, you know, but it's not like you can see, but it's, it's, to be fair, it doesn't, I'm I'm guessing there are certain legal negotiations where Uh that would be helpful, but for the most part, it just makes him really annoying. He's like, let me stop you right there. Like, Matt, just let me get to the fire. I know you know, but let me get through the sentence. Is he reading your thoughts or does he just, does he know the word about to come out of your mouth? I mean, is there a difference? Yeah, because you might be thinking something you're not going to say. No, no, he knows what you're going to say. Okay. So it is possible to fool him. I see. He knows what you're going to say. I, I, you know, you, you've said it before. I know. Listen, I know what you're going to say. He really does mm. every time. It's infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> but so think of it the other way. Say that Matt is is an empathetic sort, and he sure. goes, "Oh, and I do that." People are really upset by it. So it's driving him nuts. Everybody's Question. a step behind. Is it just with people, or does he know with like? Is he watching a movie? Does he know what the next line of dialogue is going to be, or is it? No, no, that's a no, that's a done deal. Like I see. if he's talking to somebody, he has to be. It isn't work through TV. It's only you know nearby. So maybe there's he some senses sort of the biological thing happening. Yeah, he reads the you know who knows right whatever the magic is of the power. So I mean, like you you would take this a little further if I'm writing the sci-fi of this. It's that he really likes to disappear into movies and things uh, because he doesn't know what's happening. That's what drown he does. Drown the voices to- out. Yes. Yeah. It's a, Matt's Matt's power is ultimately and the story is ultimately tragic. I'm telling you right now. I'm seeing the trailer for the movie. <laughs> I'm seeing and it. And so is Matt because he doesn't know what's going to happen. Right. 
no, he can't, he can't wait. I feel like I see it, like, but I'm seeing it as like a 1986 movie starring Tom Hanks. Oh. And like, he kind of dismisses the pizza guy. Well, the thing is, like, it starts can't off get a word out. Yeah. And then it gets dark in the middle. Yeah. That's when you realize it's a dark comedy. Yeah. Yep. And I don't, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know if 86 Hanks is ready for that. Obviously, he would have it later. He really nails he thought, the comedic part. Yeah, no, he thought he was signing on for a different kind of project right. is the thing. And, and, and Barry Levinson wanted to stretch, but it didn't. He's like more Pep Streetbeck, but no, this is actually darker. <laughs> he thought he would get some of that energy he brought to the Burbs, <laughs> but it didn't. It didn't pan right. out that way. I'm, yeah, it's a bummer. I'd watch it though. You know, there's moments. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. Thanks, Matt, for being a patron. And I think, oh, you can make it a romantic comedy. Have we gone too far to the sun? Have we talked too much about pants and and Tom Hanks to do an email, or what do you want? Okay, so we'll go go with number one. Scott from Portland, Oregon. I've been thinking about this since your book exploded on its own. It's lonely at the center of the earth by Zoe Thurgood. For me, that book is the most formally inventive comic I've read since *Mysterious Polyp* by David Mazzucchelli. Can you think of any other artists in the iFanboy era who have really pushed the medium forward and played with it in inventive ways like these two have? In the iFanboy era, it would be um, it was Klaus, right? Uh, Jimmy Corrigan was the name of the book. Chris Ware. Chris Ware is the one I'm thinking of. Chris Ware would be the most probably... That counts as the iFanboy era because it's a very long era. Yeah. And it, it came out while we were doing iFanboy. I think he's probably the most, in terms of genre, not genre, but medium pushing of mm-hmm. the creators I can think of in the last 23 years. I'm guessing there's a lot of it that we ended up not seeing. Sure. But also, like, the question is what actually pushes the medium forward? You know, what actually changes things? And there's, it's not... There's, I think... So... In the mainstream, like if you're talking about in comics, I think David Aja is probably a front runner uh, in that way. Maybe, yeah. In terms of I like that. aping what he did in Hawkman, Hawkeye, Hawkeye. Yeah, no, and yeah. I also just think a lot of these these folks are informed by some of the choices made in those sort of 90s, early 2000s things. And so what one thing I like is that I feel like I see a lot of this I see a lot of of little bits of of sort of formalism. I mean, Tom Tom King is is constantly if you thought, that that Rorschach series in particular had a lot of that, as did um, Adam Strange. You know, like like there's bits of it in there where where they're reaching, but it's in the context of you know a traditional comic book right. or something like that. So I like seeing it bleed in. I think it's like you know when we started to hear. Uh, electronic music and rock music, you know, a lot more. And, and, and those lines became faded. It's not a full answer to your question, but I think that we have seen an elevation of the art form, uh, you know, that, that, you know, again, started with Jack Kirby and it, it turns into a lot of things. But I think, you know, the, the real question is like, what is actually, uh, it, you know, pushing the medium forward? I, I don't know that Asterius Polyp did because no one is able to do what he did. It's not like book comics changed after Asterius Polyp came out. It yeah, was but a, it, it sets a bar, just like all those kinds of It sets of a books. bar, absolutely. But it's not like people started started doing comics like that. Same um, and it's well, only uh, the center of the earth was terrific, but I don't know that's I don't know that it's medium pushing. It's just a really Perez, good you know. Um when he in Tale of Sand, I think he did a lot of that and he has the ability to, but he also does can do straight up sort of, you know, mainstream narrative comic book storytelling. Yep. Um I love it's, it. It's I hard love it. In a medium like comics, it's, that's it's not. I'm stagnant is the wrong word, but it's very much traditional. It's also very you know deadline driven. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot of time to. So when you're talking about a project like that, you're talking Zoe Thorgood. You know she 
worked on it over a period of time. That was what she had to do. Dave Mazzucchelli had the 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 freedom to do that kind of thing, and 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 you know, as did Chris Ware or whoever else it is. But the monthly grind of comics, you don't you won't see it in there so much. Even the you know, image books or whatever, it it's just not. It's it, given the way that they're made and the time frame and the cost, all that stuff. You don't get a chance to it. They well, things get definitely change the medium much. where people start aping that um, style or, or things that people are doing. Like the the original image boom, they, those guys all changed the medium for a, for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bendis changed the medium for a period of time. Warren Ellis changed the medium for a period of time. There's definitely guys, <laughs> so, women who come in and make do things that the the, the medium tries to emulate doesn't do it all that well, but for sure, I think that I think you're talking about a you're talking about influential things where. Is is just when you say when he's when I say he's pushing the medium is that you see something that you haven't seen before or you know that that it you know is unusual that feels new it doesn't I think mean that everybody's going to ape it is it is the, the one yeah all right I saw a, I saw uh, I went to an exhibit once and they had um, it was the Jewish Museum in New York and mm-hmm. they had original pages um, oh you saw them right. F- yeah, I saw original it was two two people specific. I saw original Kirby pages. Uh-huh. Like good ones. Not not there aren't, but there's, you know, Kirby did a lot of work a day stuff. But there were great Kirby pages that you could see in the flesh and then there was Chris Ware pages which blew my fucking mind. They were gigantic. And 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 he had done all of the script, all the calligraphy, all you know, like all of the lettering and stuff that was super um you know, detailed and intention and really, really precise. And it was like all drawn on the board, like the old school illustrator way. And it was amazing. Right. All right. Read the third one. I can answer that one very fast. Jimmy John L says, this is a question specifically meant for Connor. I know you have a lot of misgivings and negative feelings towards Damien. Does that affect your view on Morrison's Batman? Do you still like their run in spite of your dislike towards Damien? I mean, yes, I haven't thought about it that much, but yes. I mean, just because the consequences were unintended and the consequences were not seen at the time doesn't affect the run itself, which was still very fun. You know, was it supposed to be like it was like canon? I mean, it was yeah, like yeah, a real story. Yeah, yeah. They just kept it. Yeah, and then if you recall, Morrison killed Damien off at the end of his their run. You know, I do not recall. It was in that that special right before or right after the Nifty Two. He, he, Damien was killed, and then. And then, uh, you know, Cosmic Crazy Button was pressed and he was just back with no explanation. So, you know, things happen in runs. Like, for instance, we really didn't like Bendis's, you know, taking away Superman's secret identity, but doesn't mean the run wasn't good. It really was. And and at least the first time it was. And they erased it. Yeah. You know, like it it didn't stay. So, whatever. You know, it it was fun. So, you know, it is what it is. I, you, you, you can't, I mean, yeah, I can look back and say, yeah, ultimately it was a mistake to introduce Damien in that storyline, but we didn't know at the time. We liked it at the time. And they're good comics. I mean, Batman and Robin is, is, is that for those first six issues are amazing. Mm-hmm. And the whole run on Batman, I thought was really good. Not all of it, but, but you know, on the whole, it was a Batman that they hadn't, we hadn't seen in a while. It was like a seventies style, you know, Batman. And it was super fun, but consequences, are not always apparent at the time, but it doesn't doesn't mean I don't look back on it. But I, I honestly haven't thought about it. I'm just so I've cut Batman out of my heart, and my life. It's very sad. I'm sorry. It's, it's just very sad. I read that issue this week. The and it was so bad, <laughs> so so bad. 
I'm sorry. It's terrible. I, I don't understand. Anyway, thanks, Jimmy John. And thank you, Scott, for writing in. Contact.fanboy.com. You can also write in for our Mediasplode show. Put Mediasplode in the subject line so we know where it's supposed to go. Let's do some quick plugs or not so quick plugs. Out now, we have two shows in the feed behind this one. Two back is our Mediasplode rev- show where we reviewed Killers of the Flower Moon. And we also talked about three-hour movies, the proliferation of them lately. And then just behind the show came out right a couple days ago. Josh talked to Jason Aaron on Talksplode. And I haven't listened yet because it came out just hours ago, but it was long. And it seems like the it's same. Good. I'm always within a couple of minutes. I'm, it seems it, like it was I'm a like good conversation. From 115, 118. Yeah, no, like I had to end it. Like we could have kept going. Right. And, and it's weird because he's, you know, if you if you listen to it, he's quite uh, taciturn. He's he's quite calm and and you can take that to mean is he, is he not want to talk but he does he's just you know it's his personality yeah yeah but it was great like he was he was really thoughtful and he answered my questions and we we didn't end up necessarily going in the direction that i had sort of had in my mind which is i do that on purpose but um yeah and time flew by so there you go you can listen to jason aaron's conversation with josh on the feed right behind this one and so now that we are entering into November, it's a good time to go over the holiday schedule so no one is confused or surprised, especially any new listeners. So between uh, this show coming out on Jan- uh, November 5th and the end of the year, there are five more Picks of the Week show, uh, but there are 11 shows total when you add in all the extra shows. So we have a Media Explode on November 9th. We have Pick Week 904 on November 12th. We have a Mar- the Marvels Review on November 16th. And then we have... Pick the week 905 on November 19th. Pick the week 906 on November 26th. And then on November 30th, we'll have our Booksplode review of the first four books of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Eastman and Laird. And then into December, December 3rd, will be Pick the week 907. December 7th will be our fourth. No, there's no media explode that year. I don't know. That's an empty one. Let me take that off the schedule. Uh, December 3rd is the Pick the week 907. December 10th is Pick the week 908. And then... Um, at some point in December, either December fourteenth or De- or the or the earlier December seventh will be the final talk explode of the year, and then the final show of the year. So the final pick of the week is December tenth, pick of the week nine oh eight. The final show of the year is the All Media Year and Roundup on December seventeenth, and then we come we take our holiday break and come back strong on January seventh with pick of the week nine oh nine. So that's that's the. Uh, holiday schedule which i will streamline for the next show i just i screwed up that date i gotta fix all that also real quick i wanted to thank the students in comic books subculture to pop culture at indiana university east we did another guest lecture about podcasting comic books uh it was ron richards and i josh couldn't make it so there's the two of us and it was the class of professor gordon the intern he brought us in to talk about comic book podcasting because they have an assignment where they had to make a podcast about Watchmen. And so they had a lot of questions about podcasting, about comics, about how we think about making the show, how decisions are made, you know, all that stuff was really interesting and fun. We're on the college circuit now, Josh. All right. Our second, our second uh, lecture. If there's ever been proof that, that the, the college university system, which is now ridiculous, overpriced is broken. It's that, it's that someone thinks that we're worth listening to. Right. So listen, if you're out there and you're a professor, and we know there are many of you listening, and you want us to come lecture your class about podcasting or comics or whatever, we're open. Send us an email, contact.com. This, 
And then this is the uh, the, the the this is the no fee trial period. Oh, yeah, this no. is a preview. Like like you better get on it soon because prices are gonna go up. <laughs> so we had a lot of fun doing uh, the last the, these two uh, lectures or these guest lectures, whatever you want to call them. So um, super fun. If you want us to come talk to your class, let us know. We'll happy to do that. So there you go. And also, let's move on to you can find all of our shows. There are over thirteen hundred of them on our feed. They're all over at fanboy.com or on our feed. If you just check our feed on any podcast aggregator, they're all there. And they're all there for your listening pleasure. You can follow us at fanboycomics on Instagram to find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And sometimes the best of the week in panel feature. And individually, we are CS Kilpatrick on Instagram and J.A. Flanagan on Instagram. Although, are you changing your handle to the Celtic Kahuna? Uh, I had to look at the rules for changing your, your <laughs> name around. I'm already I'm already past that. I'm not as embarrassed about it as I as I was. I, I wish you hadn't mentioned it again. It wasn't that impressive. But now I, I like have your a whole brother would use that as his Instagram handle. He's not. I wouldn't call him a, of the Celtic uh, background. <laughs> He's sort of a. I don't know what he is. A mutt. But yes, yeah, he is. I guess I can do this next part. Is that what you're yeah. getting at? Well, that's okay, your name fine. right there. That, well, that's a letter. It's your initial. So we don't, yeah, but but who can say what that means? Jim Viscardi sure, is in it here. There. So it's got to be exactly. you. Exactly. I'll, listen, I'll, I'm not, I can't be sure of it. I'll take on the mantle. That's fine. That's what I do. I take responsibility. Subscribe to youtube.com slash iFanboy, uh, where you'll find all our old video shows. Uh, they're all there. Uh, we post this show there every week. There's many uh, minis. There's many covers, uh, topics that were covered. There's many topics. things that... There, there are, t- there are definitely topics. Um, I, I myself would be terrified to listen to a younger, less informed, <laughs> but perhaps more sure of himself version. Bloviate. Um, I'm sure you there know, was definitely so. bloviating going on in the 2000s sure. for sure. I feel like you know, like like uh, Ron. Ron's very sure of himself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, as as was a young Connor is very sure of himself, but a younger Connor was even more so. And I felt like maybe I had to rise to that level where more my thing is I know I'm right, but I can, I can say to you I could be wrong, right. and that's fine. But that's not what was happening. Well, you don't want equivocation on your show. You want to be, you know. Oh, I equivocate all the time now. <laughs> it's my whole move. You can't get me. Right. <laughs> it won't hold up in court. He equivocated. Um, the equivocation defense. It's 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 a classic. Sixth I don't think it holds up. Amendment. I don't think it does. That's fine. I don't. I wouldn't know. And honestly, I'm boring enough that I don't think it's ever going to come up. Uh, consider writing Famous a review or leaving a star rating on a. Why are we just keep talking? I, must, I don't know. I, must I, miss, I, I, I literally have people waiting for me downstairs. To eat, I must but. miss you. I, I I, that's what I think is happening. I think I'm I'm very much enjoying your company. I'm glad that your voice oh, is shit. not racked by. Um, you know, pain, but Listen, I also I couldn't, have people I couldn't do the big me. kahuna thing again, but you know, to stop saying it. I'm going to edit all of this out. <laughs> Ooh, that's our next shirt. The Celtic kahuna. <laughs> I feel like, uh, I don't know. There's something about that. I don't like, no, it's terrible. Uh, I would sell four, four, four shirts and two of them. Oh, would so be more us. than the Tom Hanks shirt. <laughs> it's a great shirt. It's a great shirt. <laughs> it's a great shirt. It makes me laugh every time. It's got a real Pep Strebeck quality about it. <laughs> that is all. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Connor. That makes me Josh. He's the he's the Celtic Kahuna. No, he isn't. <laughs> Stop. I'm so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>